May it please the court, counsel. counsel. Uh, the first issue uh, that's presented in this case is whether or not there was sufficient evidence that the robbery involved methamphetamine and drug proceeds. All of the charges here required the government to prove that the robbery involved methamphetamine and drug proceeds and that the methamphetamine and drug proceeds were in the possession of James Booher. And is conjunctive. Uh, we've said uh, some do you agree, for, just to start, do you agree with me that, that if there's sufficient evidence of both, this, is an, this issue drops out? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Basically, what I'm asking is the court to find there's insufficient evidence of one or the other or insufficient evidence of both. If the court finds sufficient evidence of both, uh, then I do not win on this issue. Uh, turning first to the drug proceeds question, uh, there was some evidence that Mr. Boer was in possession of cash, but there was no evidence that that cash was drug proceeds as opposed to being from some other source. Oh, I think there was. Ms. Bush the next morning saw him with bloody money. She saw him with money. The question, though... Blood-covered oh, money. I thought it was bloody money. Blood-covered money, says the testimony. Well, and you speculate, well, that might have been his Social Security disability payments or something else, or what he found on the street. But that's how can that kind of speculation defeat evidence? Well, it's equally speculative that it's drug proceeds, that that money was the proceeds of him selling well, he drugs had, he to someone. Well, he had someone. no other sorts of income, did he? <coughs> well, not that we were able to determine. Well, the uh, ex-wife testified no other source of income. No, I believe she testified... There were two witnesses that testified, the sister and the wife, the, the ex-wife that testified on that issue. And I don't think either one of them talked about knowing if he was getting some income from such things as unemployment. Yeah, but, so, but, but the ex-wife said flatly no form of income other than distributing drugs, right? I, Transcript 347, 348? Okay, well, if that's what she said, that is what she said. Uh, but she may not have known about other sources of income. Um, it, She's an ex-wife. She's not the current wife, so she may not know. Um, but back to my kind of main point here, um, there was just insufficient evidence that any money that Mr. Boer had was the result of a sale of drugs. Um, basically, there was some general evidence that he was a drug dealer, but there was no specific evidence. Well, now, now I, wait, wait, wait. If the, the murder of a drug dealer for the cash and the drugs on his person at the time is sufficient. You don't have to have specific evidence of a sale, do you? I would disagree with that. Well, what if case, it's, if what it's case forced, would say that, that that's, that's not, doesn't satisfy the, the requirement? Well, the required element under the, the commerce, statute the commerce requirement. is commerce. That's all we're talking about. Right. So certainly there's case authority that controlled substances, a robbery, for the purpose of obtaining controlled substances falls within uh, the interstate commerce. Okay, that's undisputed here. With the cash proceeds, the cash on the, person's, on the person, however, it has to be shown that the source of those proceeds was drug proceeds. What? Not just, well, not well, just yeah, that he had some I, cash. Well, okay, but same level of inferences applies. If he's, if he's, been, if he's been selling that day, that night, whenever, or you don't have to have a specific transaction well, to meet the commerce requirement. I, I think if, you if do. If the element of the crime was, it has to be, you have to be, have proof of 
the sale of drugs and the, you know that'd be different but this is the only element of the the only element of the crime at issue is commerce and commerce commerce is very broadly defined it is but it has to be shown as it was charged here that the cash any cash that mr boer was robbed of was drug proceeds and the only evidence of a sale that there was contemporaneous with this was the sale to Travis Vomaka. Why, why, why isn't the whole day's, the description of the entire day's activities sufficient to permit a reasonable jury to conclude that any dollars J.B. had on him by the time, by the time he was killed in the far, farmhouse were drug proceeds, if not entirely, at least partially? Because the only evidence of a drug sale was the sale to Mr. Vomaka, for which he was paid with a Walmart gift card. What about the sale to, to, to Mr. Robbins? Uh, to the extent that there was any cash paid in that, which there really was not evidence of, um, Mr. Booher gave Martin Lawrence apparently what, all of the way, cash. What, what case says a cash card a cash card payment doesn't qualify? Uh, what, Mr. what commerce case? Uh, Mr. Uh, Booher did not have the Walmart no, no, no. gift card. I asked you for a United States Court of Appeals or Supreme Court opinion that says the commerce clause element is not satisfied by. A cash card is you got to have real U.S. currency. That that is not the argument here. First I, well, of all, that's the argument I just heard you make. No, the, the argument on the Walmart gift card is that Mr. Boer no longer had that Walmart gift card that he was paid for the drugs that he sold to Mr. Okay. Vomaka because he gave that gift all card I, to Mr. I Lawrence. All I said was the evidence of the earlier sale to to Robbins, for which was paid in cash or its equivalent. Is part of the part of the evidence from which you can infer whether cash he had at the end of that day included drug proceeds. However, the testimony from Mr. Lawrence was that Mr. Boer gave him that cash uh, right after uh, Mr. Boer had received any cash from Mr. Robbins. The question is the specific cash. Dealers, of course, have a are a revolving door of cash. That's probably true. But the main issue here is whether or not any cash that was on Mr. Boer at the time of the alleged robbery was the proceeds from a drug sale, okay, as opposed to being from someplace else. It was not Mr. Robbins' burden to prove the specific source of that money. It was the government's burden to prove that it was drug proceeds. And the government did not introduce sufficient evidence of, of, uh, that it was drug proceeds. Um, I see my time is getting down to what I wanted to save for a rebuttal here. Uh, for the other issues, the methamphetamine and the bone fragment evidence, I will uh, rely on the briefs uh, for those issues. Well, I think, uh, you, you, have, I think you ought to just summarize for me your, your the bone fragment evidence is irrelevant argument. Yeah, basically. By the, if, it is, if, if, counsel, if the counsel rested on her, on her brief, you couldn't talk about it on, on rebuttal. And if she does so, that would be the consequence. Uh, but basically, the, the, there were two experts that testified about the bone fragment evidence. Uh, Dr. Latham, who was a bone identification expert, who could only state that some of the fragments were not inconsistent with human bone. She never testified that any of the fragments were human bone. Uh, she said they could be human, they could be animal. Uh, but One bone fragment had male, human male DNA, right, period? And, and that's the next question. Um, the DNA expert said it was inconclusive as to whether or not 
the DNA on any bone fragments matched Mr. Boer. I thought one bone fragment, that was the final bottom line testimony, had human male DNA. Uh, yes, she did say that. Yeah, and the but jury can believe that, right? Right, but she could not identify the source of that DNA uh, as to whether or not it was from Mr. Yeah, but we got, the, we got the chopping and the shoveling and the disposing and the, all the other circumstantial evidence. Go ahead. There was other issues as to um, the DNA, possible sources, such as the failure to use gloves by the people collecting the bone fragments, and that um, I would like to reserve uh, my remaining minute and a half here. Well, for I, but, but she didn't really answer the relevance. I only asked about relevance. I didn't ask about weight. Um, uh, basically, it supported the government's theory that Mr. Boer had been killed and then his body disposed of in the burn pit. It was all part of the government's explanation as to why there was no why body. Is, why is that not probative to the ultimate issues? Um, it can be, but the issues of whether or not the scientific evidence was sufficiently reliable okay. to be admitted. Okay. And then it was prejudicial so because really, it was not reliable. It's not a relevance argument. It's a, well, it could be relevant, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Linked. It's more of it wasn't linked. It's okay. more of a prejudice argument. Yeah. I believe. Okay. That, that I understand. That's what I was wondering. Thank you. Good morning, Your Honors. Ms. Williams. Lisa Williams here representing the United States of America from the Northern District of Iowa. And if I may say, it is uh, nice to be back in person. Um, That's what we think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you, you share that. Uh, I, I believe that uh, from the questioning by the court, the, uh, the, the arguments that I would make as to why the cash was dro drug proceeds are very well understood. I would like to go back and address the legal argument that the government has to establish that the robbery involved both drugs, drug proceeds, and methamphetamine. The government disagrees. Well, was, that, was that in the jury instruction? If you were... It was, Your Honor. It, it was an and. It was, it was charged to the jury in the conjunctive. And that's the Mustachio case from the Supreme Court from 2016. The, that, what, the what case? Taylor? No. Mustachio? Oh, okay. Well, but... That's when you've got elements of a crime. And here, this, is, this commerce issue is quite distinct from what we had in Staples, for example, which was two crimes, much, which you could view as two elements of one crime. But, but this, this, I don't understand why the government is running away from the, from the old thing that, that you... You charge in the conjunctive and you prove in the disjunctive. What happened to that we in are, this argument? We are certainly not running away from that argument, and I was going to make that exact argument, Your Honor. Um, there, the, the jury instruction, a Roman... And it seems to me for a commerce requirement, that's even stronger than the way it's, way it's usually done when you have a, a statute which, which may have different means, for example. Correct. by an or and you charge it in the end. And I suspect that's why this indictment and jury instructions were so carelessly, frankly, in my opinion, worded. I, and I would agree, Your Honor. But I also noticed that the district court at the end um, 
at the, at the end of the instruction we're talking, you're instructed as a matter of law that theft or attempted theft is an activity that affects com commerce for purposes of this element. And so drugs or drugs proceeds satisfy the commerce element. Why isn't that, even if the earlier part of the instruction should have been framed more precisely, is that, is that enough or not? I, I think that's a fair rating and that's enough. The element from the statute, as Your Honor has noted, is that interstate commerce has been affected. And the means by which this robbery affected interstate commerce. There were two theories, right? The drug proceeds and the methamphetamine. But that's why the government only needed to prove one because what we have to prove is the interstate commerce element. The jury instructions erroneously included the and language in that earlier part of the instruction, suggesting that the government have to prove drug proceeds and methamphetamine. But that was an incorrect statement right, of right, the law. Not, I wouldn't write that it was erroneous. I think it was not adequately clarified. Because of the supplemental instruction talking about interstate commerce. I think that that's a fair reading of, of the instructions. But um, this court, should it find that the government did not prove with sufficient evidence that the cash was drug proceeds, can still affirm the conviction if it finds that the robbery did involve methamphetamine or vice versa. The government argues that there's sufficient evidence that it involved both drug proceeds and methamphetamine. So you also don't have to answer this mustachio issue. Uh, but why we proved both at trial, we were not required to do so. Um, and that goes back to the argument about how we charge in the conjunctive and prove in the disjunctive. Uh, the defendant raises in the reply brief... Well, when you say disjunctive, you mean the elements of the offense, right? So the way the Supreme Court words it? That's, that's yes. correct, Your Honor. Right. You've got to end up proving the elements of the offense. That's correct. Um, and how it commonly comes up is in drug conspiracies, that the conspiracy involved methamphetamine and marijuana as charged in the indictment. Mm -hmm. And then when we proceed to trial, we can prove either meth or marijuana. But changing that dis conjunctive language to the just disjunctive at trial is not a constructive amendment of the uh, indictment. It doesn't alter the elements of the offense. Um, we're simply allowed to do that uh, without changing the elements. And Mustachio says, as long as you're not changing the elements, this court reviews based on the sufficiency of the evidence as it relates to the elements of the offense. And so the government submits that the true issue before the court is whether or not we proved one or the other, not both. However, we did also prove both. Um, I think uh, I, I, I will ad briefly address the bone fragment evidence. Uh, the government uh, concedes that that DNA evidence did not match James Boer. It was inconclusive. That is, that is not up for debate. But the government submits that it didn't have to match James Boer in order to be relevant because you should not have human bone fragments in your burn pit in your backyard. The fact that it was human male DNA found in a backyard bone, uh, burn pit is in fact relevant to whether or not the individuals at that residence burned a body in the burn pit. In light of all the other circumstances, the, the blood in, was it in a tub? 
Yeah, tub full of blood. Go ahead. There was blood in the tub, blood on the floor, right. blood on the wall, blood on the ceiling, and blood on a glove in the bathroom. And someone saw him go to, toward the pit and come from the pit. That's correct. And it, even so, Your Honor, it, even more than that, okay. um, because the defendant argues in their brief that there was no evidence that there was a fire going on, and that's belied by the record. Randy Lewis testified that he was friends with Matthew Robbins, and Matthew, Matt called him and said, bring your trailer over. Uh, he did. They loaded up a whole bunch of furniture and household goods and then drove that back to the backyard where there was a fire going on. And then they threw all of that uh, household goods on the fire to keep it burning. Uh, Daniel Bush, of course, also testified that as uh, the defendant was leaving, he told her to keep the fire going and that she smelled smoke. Robert Bleakley testified that he too saw the fire going back there. And so not only uh, is there evidence that this is what they did. There's evidence that that fire was going uh, that day. Uh, and that's really the only, the, the last point I wanted to make is um, the defendant attacks holes in the government's argument throughout his brief. Uh, but what's important is uh, that the defendant never addresses Daniel Bush's testimony anywhere in his brief because she testifies as to every single one of the holes that the defendant attempts to attract. Is that the ex-wife? That is the co-conspirator. Yeah, that was with him, with him that day. That's correct. The eyewitness Tell me the names. Tell me the names of the co-conspirator and the ex-wife. Daniel Bush is the co-conspirator. Okay, yes. Christina Taylor is the ex-wife. Thank you. So Danielle Bush says, for example, when he says there's no evidence he had methamphetamine at the house, Danielle Bush says when we arrived at the house, we all sat in the living room together, he pulled methamphetamine out of his pocket, and we smoked some, but he had several baggies on him. Uh, Danielle Bush talks about the fire. Danielle Bush talks about hearing the gunshot uh, from her hiding place in the kitchen. And so she provides um, sufficient evidence, and when this court is reviewing the um, issue on the acquittal, of course, all credibility determinations have to be made uh, with respect to the verdict. And then even with the new trial motion, the district court found that this evidence was credible. And I think on this record, in addition to all of the other evidence, it cannot be said that it abused its discretion in reaching that determination. If there are no other questions from the panel, uh, then I would rest on my briefs for the remaining, of the, for the, uh, remaining issues. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I briefly wanted to address the Masaccio issue here. Um, and was charged in the indictment. And that's an important distinction, I think, between this case and Mustachio. Um, I, I do agree that if the government had charged it properly, the government would only have to prove one or the other. But the way the government charged it, they have to prove both drug proceeds and methamphetamine. Well, why, why is this? That's not usually the case. Usually the indictment charges in the conjunctive and... The proof, the jury instructions should, are, should be in the disjunctive. Uh, well, why, do, why, does, why, is this why is this indictment flawed 
when we deal, we're, we're only dealing with a commerce element? Well, I, first I would note that the government has not made that kind of argument, uh, either in the district court or on the, in its appeal briefs here. <laughs> okay, I agree uh, with that. <laughs> okay. Um, but to me, if it's charged in the indictment, it's a, it's a fair notice due process issue, the way it's charged in the indictment. Uh, since the government had not made this conjunctive versus disjunctive But now you didn't argument. raise a due process argument anywhere in your brief, right? Well, the government had not raised this argument, so I did not have reason to no, okay. <laughs> argue about it. Sure. Uh, Enough said. So, uh, but I, I do think since they haven't raised it, or hadn't raised it in at least a timely fashion here, that they've either waived or forfeited that kind of issue. Uh, so I, my time is up here, so unless the court has questions, that will conclude my argument. Thank you. Mr. Mr. Wasmer, I believe you were appointed as appellate counsel uh, yes. under the Criminal Justice Act. Well, the court appreciates your service, and uh, I think you uh, represented Mr. Robbins very creatively. <laughs> <laughs>